This podcast is brought to you by PodPro Australia. Hello and welcome to the Global Glamping Podcast. Uh, welcome back to Simon Fabian, the CEO, as always. Good to have you back in the studio, Simon. Likewise, Adam. Good to see you. Fantastic. And today we also have Dion Payne, who's with us, who is the owner of High Impact Property Investments. Welcome. Thanks, Adam. Happy to be here. Fantastic. Guys, how did you meet? And um, and tell me about the partnership that um, that is forming here with, uh, with High Impact Property Investments and uh, also Global Glamping. Well, one of our former staff um, introduced us as a possibly good match um, in terms of alignment with what we're both doing. Sure. Um, we had a couple of phone calls and got to know Dion quite well. And um, it's all started to unfold from that. I think Dion's project from a commercial housing situation is incredible. And it's so uplifting to see that there are property developers and people in that high-end part of society that have a social conscience and want to help solve this housing problem. And of course, that's what we're all about, is providing housing for the homeless or those who are at high risk of homelessness. Fantastic. So I believe there is a pretty exciting project in the works um, that's coming up. But firstly, Dion, tell me a little bit about your background um, you know, and your, and your company. Sure thing. Well, I arrived in Australia back in 2005 um, and I actually came over to do a PhD in chemistry. So this was not the path that I thought okay. I'd be going on. Um, but what actually happened was once I'd finished my PhD, um, I decided to have children. My husband was working. He was on. He had his income. I decided to stay home with the kids. And uh, we couldn't afford to buy a house in the Northern Rivers, which was where we were living, and on that one income. So I already knew back then that there was an issue with housing affordability. But what I thought was if I, if I don't know the answer to something and I want to learn, then I will go and get educated in it. That's what I've always done. And so I figured that if I understood the game of property, then I'd be able to find a way to get what I wanted. And so that took me on a bit of a journey through education, through uh, joint venture partners, through our first couple of developments and I actually caught the bug of developing and, and that it was really good It seems to fun. happen, doesn't it? it? It does, it does. It was the first time where I just felt that I had complete agency over my decisions and um, and, and the way that my life was going to be. So, um, yeah, it, it, was, it was just awesome. But the reason that I'm doing affordable housing now is because I stumbled upon this project. It was a piece of vacant land. Um, it had development approval for 14 one-bedroom townhouses um, and um, th- three of them were affordable rental managed by a community housing provider. And so I took that on and it was, I, I definitely bit off more than I could chew yep. in that respect. But at the end of it, I had friends that were able to buy into that development. We were able to sell that development for 40% less than the median house prices in the area. And um, I just felt, I, I as a developer and as an investor into that project made a good return as well. So despite all the ups and downs and challenges, I got to see the connection between doing something that was meaningful for the community as well as being well rewarded myself. Fantastic. Win-win. And look, that's what I'm starting to see here. So Simon, you've got a 
got a charity that's wanting accommodation for, for the homeless. We've got a, a property developer here who has a, a social conscience and can put together a win-win. Guys, tell me about the project. Okay, well, um, it was beautiful that we were introduced by Dana, um, Simon's uh, a former employee. And um, when we spoke and Simon shared with me what he had done in terms of providing a tiny house for somebody that was affected by the floods, um, I just thought this is, a, this is a great thing. This is a partnership made in heaven, really. So um, I was already working on a project which was to provide accommodation for staff who couldn't find accommodation in the places that they wanted to work in. Um, and it was really addressed towards the business owners that were struggling because they couldn't find they their needed staff. The staff. Yep, that's right. Um, and so that first project that we're putting together is a co-living solution that addresses that problem. Okay. So tell me, tell me about this co-living solution. What what is it? How does it work? How big are these places? Talk me through it. Okay. Well. One of the really cool things about co-living is that probably the majority of us have already done that in some way, shape or form. I think we have. <laughs> I, I can think of, you know, uni days and, and yep. um, you know, sharing with a group of people. Dodgy roommates. Dodgy roommates, un, undone washing up and, you know, all of that and, and all of the squabbles. Well, this is, this is that but brought into the 21st century. So let's take a start um, or, or, or let's look at sort of the bigger picture, it's essentially creating energy efficient homes, uh, creating affordable living options for the for the residents because the power bills are taken care of, that's all included in the rent. It means that we can charge an affordable rent for those particular properties. Um, and it just means that everybody's got a mix of private space as well as communal space so they can interact as much or as little as they want to. Okay, so tell me a little bit more about that in terms of private space and and shared space. How does how does that work? What is private? What is shared? Okay, well, um, as an example, the each bathroom has its own ensuite um, ensuite bathroom, yep. and that's a really good thing because you never want to be. I would have thought that that was the one I was hoping that you'd first say that uh, <laughs> so that uh, each each. Individual living space has has that fantastic tick, <laughs> and then of course it depends where you are and depends on whether what the zoning laws are because you do get options for having a room that is completely self-contained that has a kitchenette in it. Mm -hmm. In this initial project that Simon and I are doing, we don't have that because the zoning um, rules do not allow that there. However, with that um, bedroom. En suite, that's that's an aspect of that shared, uh, sorry, of that private space, and then the rest of the spaces are communal. So the lounge, the kitchen, the diner, um, games rooms, that sort of thing. Parking, there's 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 opportunities for everybody to have what they need in that space. Sure. Okay. So you mentioned you're working on your first one together now. Um, explain how this um, co-living space and, and putting a development like this together now fits in with, with global glamping. Um, it's an amazing concept. I you know, sort of kick myself and not thinking of it myself earlier because it's just so cool. Um, the charity buys into part of this um, project and the investors in general cover the majority of the development. Okay. Um, a part of that is 10% of the rooms. So in this first project's case, two rooms. 
um, allocated to the charity. Fabulous. Um, this will allow us to offer um, cut rate accommodation for people. It may even create a situation where one of the rooms is occupied by an employment opportunity that could become a caretaker. So we may be even able to offer wow. employment to somebody that was otherwise homeless and jobless. So it ticks all the boxes as far as the charity is concerned. Um, and with our other housing projects that are nothing like this, it just takes a lot of the um, stress and hassle of finding investors, finding land, putting developments oh, together. to do the whole thing. Yeah, and it's so much not my area. Yep. So it's just like a blessed match here. It's, yeah, perfect. To have someone like Dan who... who that's, look, you've both got your own space and we keep talking about it. it is a match made in, in heaven. I mean, that sounds incredible. To, to offer somebody the opportunity not only to have a, a, a an affordable place to live but possibly even, you know, the caretaker role, yeah. that's just fantastic. Yeah. I often rant on about anything that our charity does has to be a win-win-win. Yep. Um, and in this case, it is. Because what I do know is that playing a zero-sum game where there's a winner and a loser, yep. everyone ultimately at some point ends up losing. Yep, very So true. we just won't do that. Very and true. And this is not that. So. so how far has this progressed? How far into this first one are we? Am I allowed to ask where it is? You're absolutely allowed. We're, we're just putting it all together at the moment, bringing on investors. And, um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of moving parts that we have to make sure that we've crossed all the I's and dotted all the T's just to make sure that we do have the a really successful outcome and you know it, it, we're not just starting with one we're looking at how we can replicate this and I was going to say uh, there would be more planned I would imagine after after the first one get the first one done work out what works that tinker with the things that 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 didn't which there obviously always is with a with a first time project and then and then replic replicate I guess yeah. and we've already got a developer in Tasmania that's knocking on the door that wants to participate oh fantastic um, so yeah it's yeah and to my mind, one of the things about working with a not-for-profit organisation such as Global Glamping is that the the community will see affordable housing developments spruiked and then they'll be suspicious because what's happened in the past is that developers have said, yes, this is affordable housing and then it turns out that it's not affordable for the people that are within that community. So... The benefit of having a not-for-profit partner in something like this is that we can. It, it's it's just show it's just showing that this is a genuinely affordable development. Um, there's there's different um, there's different price points for people based on you know if if you're if you're an employee and you've got a fairly decent income you can get into this. If you if you're on a lower income than that, then you can work with the charity to get into those homes as well. But it, it's really about creating more of a level playing field for people. Um, sure. and, and that, you know, there's that saying, the rising tide lifts all boats. That this is all about being the rising tide. Yep. Oh, fantastic. Simon, how are you going to go about determining who gets the, the first couple of plays? Because I gather there's a big need out there and, and you know, um, there's more coming, obviously, but at, at the start, there's, there's only going to be the one, the two, that the handful. How do you go about, um, I guess, selecting, deciding okay. who, who gets this wonderful opportunity? So I see this as very much a um, pet pro not pet project, a embryonic project to see what works and what doesn't. Um, it ties in pretty closely with our economic homelessness program, and that is about saving 
people from falling into homelessness that have, have a job. Yep. You know, when the business folds, everything falls apart. Um, so it's probably somebody in that space that may even be an employee of a business that's invested in the project. Yep. Um, because if we can keep that business alive, the job's there, so to speak. Um, because we, we're uncertain at this point with the socioeconomic background and behaviours of certain social groups. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you often hear that people like types hang together, so um, people with addictions tend to hang together, stuff like that. I'm not sure that that's a total match with an 18-year-old person that's got a job and this equipment. Sure, in the one it's design. matching. And that's, so, that's yeah. probably a bigger challenge that I'll ask you about shortly. Well, now, Dan, ha- in terms of... So being co-living, and if I'm doing my maths right, 10% too, we're looking at 20. How do you do that matching? You know, to, uh, and how important is it? Um, not only, obviously, with the, the, the spaces you've got for the charity, but overall, a challenge I hadn't even thought about until you, you mentioned it then. Yeah, well, as Simon mentioned before, we do have to focus on the win-win-win. And so it's... It's making sure that, yes, the investors are well rewarded for doing it. It's also making sure that the people that live in those spaces um, feel like they are at home because that's what we want to create, an environment where it is their home. Um, so that's that's really important. And um, it really is about just making sure that the, the people that go into those spaces are compatible. Yeah. Um, and so there's, there's lots of different things that we can do in the background to just really get to know who the people are that are going in, what their needs are, what they're looking for, what their goals are and aspirations, and just make sure that we get a good match there sure. right at the beginning. Sure. Yeah. And then good good house rules as well. That's yep. really important, just yeah. really managing expectations. For sure. Now, I want to talk about investors. I'm sure we've probably got a few out there listening, and especially the ones with a, with a, with a social conscience who thinks this is a fabulous idea, something I've I would be interested in potentially getting in, involved with. But they're going to want to know that they're getting a good return as well if I know property investors. I gather you've set this up when we talk win, 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 that um, talk to me. What, what what can we tell investors that are are out there who, who would love to be involved in, in helping with a project like this but also want a good return? Well, I always talk about um, how we can get double-digit returns through ethical property investing. And I think it's really important to state that up front. The reason I say that is because often, and, and certainly in this time where we've got high inflation and high interest rates, we really have to be looking at, well, how do we invest to outpace the effects of all of that? Absolutely. Um, Your money in the bank's going backwards at the moment. Exactly, and nobody wants to go backwards. So we really have to be looking at opportunities that are um, on a par with or exceed the traditional types of property investments that you can do. Um, now, I'm not going to say numbers on this sure, show, sure. Um, but certainly with everything that we do, we look at double-digit returns on the money that's invested. Um, and you know, there's, there's lots of different ways that you can achieve that. So there's the regular um, rental return, um, as well as the uplift when the property is sold as well. So putting all of that together, that's how we can achieve those double-digit returns. Sure. And are you looking at putting this together with multiple investors for, for each particular property, I would imagine? Uh, is it is it split up per room? How, how does that sort of fit together? 
Well, look, it really depends. At the moment, we're talking to business owners um, who might be looking for a solution for their employees. Well, that makes sense to start with, doesn't it? Yeah. In that particular area. Yeah, yeah. Um, And then, you know, from there, we can look at talking to other investors as well. And then it's just a case of, well, what's the minimum investment for this particular project? And, you know, is this something that you would be interested in investing in? Sure. Now, Dion, you, you, you mentioned ethical property investing. I believe you've, you've written a book with that, that title. I sure have. <laughs> well, here's your chance for a plug. <laughs> Thank you. Well, the, the funny thing about it, oh, funny, haha, maybe not. Um, I wrote that book. I was writing it um, at the end of the pandemic, so 2021. Um, I was ready to publish it in March 2022 which was just before, or just after the floods happened. So there was a period of time when the floods had happened, all the communications were down, and I was frantically trying to get my website back up so that I could publish the book and have people come to it. Sure. Um, So it was just very timely that that happened because that was everything that I'd written about. Like, we need to be be talking about ethical property investing. We need to be building homes that are energy efficient, that are healthy, that are sustainable – uh, where we're not kicking the can down the road in terms yep. of environment. In, in where there's more to it than just the bottom dollar. Exactly, exactly. Um, and so, yes, I've written a book. It, I take people through what I call the ethical framework, um, and that is a framework which allows investors to maximise their chances of success when they invest into affordable housing, sustainable housing, inclusive homes for people with disabilities. Sure. Well, look, I, I'm sure there's people that listening out there who want to support you know, both things here. Knowing that you have come on board with, with Global Glamping and what you're doing is fantastic here, uh, Dion. I, and, and the book is free, isn't it, I believe, apart That's from right. postage and handling. That's right. So, look, how would people get a copy of their book if they want to support you? They would go to my website. Yes. Um, and I will have a special page set up that I'll let you know about. Perfect, and we'll yeah. put in the link of uh, of this um, this podcast. That's right. Fantastic. Now, look. More importantly, if we've got any investors out there listening today who've heard this story and want to be involved, just want to know a bit more. Because um, look, what we are saying here is um, you're helping the community. Um, you're helping a, a, a wonderful charity that's doing wonderful work, and you can still make the the returns that um, that you're hoping to get anywhere else. So why wouldn't you have a look? So, Simon, where do, would an investor get in touch to, to get some more information? Okay, so there's two options. Number one would be to contact Dion, uh, Dion directly. And secondly, there'll be a webpage on www.globalglamping.org um, all about the project and how it all works. Fill in the form and we'll follow it through. Fantastic. And anybody can get hold of me through my email address, which is hello at hipi.global. Okay, fantastic. Look, thanks for coming in today, guys. It's something we could talk a, a lot more about. And look, I'd love to get you back again, um, uh, Dion. You know, as this um, this project um, you know develops and uh, and gets further down the road, and get a, get an update. Um, so love to have you back. But look, thanks for coming in and, and telling us what you're doing, guys. Very very exciting. Um, a, a, a fantastic um, initiative that um, you know can only come together when people care like you do um, and uh, and put their heads together to, to make it happen. So well done and um, love to talk a bit more about it as it progresses. <laughs>
Thank you very much. Thanks, Adam. Thanks for coming in. Thanks.